Welcome to the Story Paths podcast. I'm Theodore Lowry. Now, there are two kinds of storytellers. Those who divide storytellers into two groups, and those who don't. I borrowed that joke from the late Ken Robinson, who was speaking about education. Such a good joke, I had to repeat it. But seriously, there are two parts of any storytelling, and those are the storyteller and the story listeners. Now, of course, the success of the story will depend on the storyteller, but also, depending on the kind of attention the listeners give, their experience of the story will change tremendously. For the following story, I reckon that the best kind of attention that you might give is not distracted attention, certainly, as you know, but I wouldn't also suggest some hyper-focused attention sitting with headphones with your eyelids pressed shut. Well, I would suggest to best appreciate this following story is that you listen to it on headphones, perhaps while you're walking in the woods or in another natural setting. That is to say, with your attention wandering gently around without being stuck in any particular place in a peaceful state, can listen like this as you make your way through this wondrous world. That's my suggestion. And whatever situation makes sense for you to listen in, I welcome you anyhow to listen to the story. Now this story came from the class Vision Stories, which I took recently within the School for Sacred Storytelling. And what I learned in this class is that we imagine first and create second. First comes the imagination. And so it's a field to cultivate in and of itself. These days, to imagine an apocalypse, a downfall of civilization, a downfall of humanity, is easy. Such imagination is everywhere. And you might say it's, at this point, lazy imagination, like slumping back in a sofa. You could say the opposite is to imagine a utopia where... You know, there's no death, there's no disease, and these things that we might have to learn to live with are gone because it's a utopia. And I've just got all these good things and everything's fine. However, what about a muscular, earthy, uplifting imagination that also recognizes the reality of death and grief What of an imagination that brings us closer to the earth and also to our own creative capacities? What of an imagination that is not just individual, but that is shared just as we share our world together, that we might share imaginative spaces together to consider in a playful and wonderful way What might be our contribution to the world? What might we invite in for our future or futures? What might our deep past tell us about our deep future? This story 
is my own response to these questions. Once there was a young man and he was taking his dog for a walk in a city and there were cars buzzing past him, hardly a place to walk, barely a sidewalk, no trees in sight, planes ripping past overhead, dumping fumes into the ocean of air and buildings scraping the sky so people could be as far from the ground as possible while they watched entertainment on VR headsets made artificially by people on the other side of the world. And the young man, he didn't think much about this because he'd been born into it, but his dog pulled him off the road as dogs sometimes do, down a set of stairs, up a set of stairs, and back behind an abandoned church where there was a well. A stand of trees. And the dog disappeared into the trees, fled his leash. And the boy, he followed, but somehow he didn't feel alarmed. Somehow, somehow there were more trees than he'd expected. There was a breeze and a smell that he'd never smelled before. And a feeling came to him, deep inside, welling up, uncomfortable, but beautiful. And he sang, I just want to grieve. Don't want to be told it's all right. just want to grieve Don't want to be told it's alright And he saw the end of the leash disappearing down into a tunnel beneath the biggest tree there down into the nether And the young man he followed partly out of concern for his dog so much following something he felt down there down, down, down there down into a tunnel beneath a tree and he expected it to be dark but as his eyes adjusted he saw bioluminescence patterning the walls like fireflies in the night, lighting up in rhythms above him, below, at all sides. And the walls, they hum. They say, would you believe there's another way? Hey, would you believe there's a dozen, 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 dozen other ways? 
kept going down through this tunnel and didn't remember taking his shoes off, but he found himself barefoot in sandy, soily ground. The walls were damp and smelled wonderful and weird. Bioluminescence flickered on the walls, leading him further in, into a cavern, with dangling roots above, and the most fertile, dark smell he could have ever imagined. And there in the cavern, before him were two ladies, two two eldresses, two eldresses, one on the left and one on the right, and the one on the left, her head sprouted thousands of beautiful braids, and in each braid were dozens of distinct beads collected from all parts of the world, each with their own symbols and color and sheen, each speaking something to her as she fingered them, seemingly absent-mindedly. Right then she fingered a green, a turquoise, an aquamarine bead that had been made from the center from the pith of a plant, a species that had been born and died long before there was any human around to name it. But she was whispering a name to the bead as she rolled it in her fingers. And on the other side of the cavern, the other eldress, she sat before mandala of stones, blue and green and red, and carefully she arranged and rearranged them, moving the blue to the purple and the purple to the orange, changing this mosaic in front of her, for this was her work, she, the mosaicist. Mosaic mandala, she too could make her divinations. And together they looked at the young man, this newcomer to their space, and they asked him, What is it you seek? And when he didn't answer, the lady with the beads, the beaded lady, she said, I know what he wants. Come hither, child. Come and I will show you a vision, a vision of what you seek. And he came over and she held up a particularly wondrous bead. It was opalescent, iridescent, incandescent, and diaphanous. Perhaps ineffable as well. 
She held up this bead and it was so wondrous that the young man couldn't help but be pulled, pulled, pulled in. Pulled into an old world. An old world, a timeless world, a future world. A world where humans were still made of dust, still knew that they were made of dust, where their ears were close to the ground and their hearts beat along with the other creatures. A world where they were wrapped in the songs of their people going back millennia, wrapped and held and also bound and guided where humans were beholden to each other, beholden to the world. This was a world of limits, a world of living within the limits, the containers given by the greater world, where humans were fully nested inside the primary creation. The boy pulled out, and as he pulled out, he yearned for it, even as he pulled away, and he sang, I believe I can live that way. she looked at him it was her turn now and she said ah oh, can't quite agree to that can you can't quite give up what you'd need to give up for that life so then come here for I have something to show you and he came over to her and she shifted the stones around in her mandala, orange to purple to yellow to green, large and small and gleaming and opaque and translucent. They seemed to mix with each other and swirl around and draw him into a world with skyscrapers even larger than the city where he'd been born skyscrapers so high they cut through the stratosphere and jutted out implements to control the climate to keep it from getting out of hand planes flying overhead with fuel that would not harm the world diseases eradicated so people lived indefinitely People given God-like powers to be able to create and travel and go anywhere they please. A first-class civilization, a stage one civilization controlling the world. Humans mastering their own planet before proceeding to outer space. And the boy young man said, 
he sang, I can weave the world in a human way. He said, I can weave the whole world in a human, human way. Huh. But he pulled out. He pulled out and found himself again in the fertile, dark cave surrounded by bioluminescence with sand between his toes and two eldresses looking at him and waiting to see what he had to say, waiting for his choice between these two worlds, the world of the old, of the timeless, of limits. Accepting limits. Or the world of the future, where all limits were promised to be sheddable. To be minor inconveniences to be let go. One world old and steeped in the deep old songs from the earth. The other in the songs of imagination and mind. Possibility. And the boy, he sang, I don't know what to weep. Try as I might, said I don't know what to weave though you've shown me many sights and the two eldresses they looked at each other knowingly and they nodded and the beaded lady she said to him she said all right we're going to do one thing. You see, back, back in the beginning of time when humans spoke animal and animals spoke human and there wasn't much difference between them. When humans were simply creatures of the earth, children in the lap of their mother, back in those days there was fox. Fox, you see, Fox, he had an idea. And Fox, he, he thought it would be interesting to individuate the humans. He thought it would be interesting to give each human their unique psychological nature and differentiate them from each other and from the earth and the animals. This may have been interesting, but it also caused a lot of trouble, and that's why the creator said to Fox, All right, no more of that! But I'll tell you what. You can do well, you can do good on your bad deed, and you can give humans advice when they need it. Help them guide their future when they need it. Help them learn their own hearts when they need it. Let that be the atonement for your strange deed.
How will I speak to them? asked Fox. Creator said, through the sands. And so the two eldresses, they made marks on the sand, a kind of chart there in the sands and the floor of the cave. Squares, rectangles, some circles, triangles, not symbols in themselves, but the space for symbols to be drawn, and not drawn by human hands or toes or noses, but drawn by fox and the relatives of fox. And isn't it funny that we keep company with animals in our homes? Isn't it funny that in all our domesticated ways we domesticate animals, maybe just to keep a little bit of wildness, a little bit of wildness in our apartments and condos and insulated homes? Isn't it funny, our relationship with cats and dogs? And the boy, he thought, then where is my dog? And the bioluminescence dimmed to dark, and the boy moved to the side of the cave, feeling a little bit nervous. And he heard snuffling. And he heard pawing. Not just of one creature, not just of his dog, but of many creatures coming in around the sides of the cave and leaving marks, leaving impressions in that chart, describing possible future I could barely see these shadows moving in the dark and he tried to stay awake waiting for the bioluminescence to light the chamber up again he tried to be there to find out what is his fate would be but he couldn't quite hold it it had been a long day and when he awoke it was to the sound of snuffling a lick on his cheek and he woke up saw his dog there huffling and looking at him and looking a bit wilder than he ever had like the structure of the dog's face had changed and the boy found himself on a bench on a park bench he hadn't remembered there being any parks in the city that he had grown up in but here he was on a park bench in a park, in a city, and there were skyscrapers overhead, and they weren't quite as tall as the ones that he'd grown with, and the sides were covered in green. And instead of hulking great airplanes flying overhead, there were hang gliders and ultralights and birds. And there was a storm rolling in, but there weren't any contraptions sticking out of the skyscrapers trying to stop it and there were bicycles whipping around 
he'd grown with. But more than all of that, more than all of that stuff, good use of technology and that kind of thing, more than all of that, there were songs down the road, in the trees, coming from the homes, people were singing away, old, old songs, songs like ribbons of life coming up through the earth and winding with each other, songs coming from all parts of the world, purple and orange and green, iridescent songs, songs of praise for life, songs of grief, death. Songs of pain for pain caused by humans to other gracious living beings just living here on the earth. Cries for the needless pain. Offerings, offerings, offerings of song and praises of beauty. Songs of grief and praise. Grief and praise. Grief and praise sung by ancestral lines singing through the living in that time, in this time. Can you hear it? Thanks for listening. 
I have a bonus episode where I describe the conceptual, musical, and technical scaffolding of the story you just heard, a peek behind the curtain of how this was made. And this is there for my paid subscribers. If you're not subscribed, you can do so at Substack. There's a link below for only $5 a month, probably less than a cup of coffee for those of you who drink coffee. If you do subscribe, you'll also hear episodes as soon as they're ready. You'll get transcriptions, artwork, and more. Thank you for considering it. And if you're subscribed already, thank you muchly. If you're interested in this process of catching and combining ideas, I also have an on-demand video course, which you can watch for free on Skillshare. And this link is also below. And following this theme of the power of imagination and envisioning, two Wednesdays from now, you'll have the good fortune to hear from Rob Hopkins, co-founder of the International Transition Town Movement, a movement to move us from oil-dependent civilization and isolation from each other to an earthier, regenerative, funner, juicier future. So until next we meet, my best wishes are for you and yours.